Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. Following a terrible, terrible game from the Miami Dolphins, uh, they were they lost in this contest 38 to six to the Baltimore Ravens in a very, very important matchup. So the grades on here aren't going to be good. The news isn't going to be good. Hopefully, we can find a few silver linings along the way. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on iTunes, and on YouTube. We're here joined tonight by Paul Pickett and myself, Brian Cat Catanzaro, to make sense of this nonsense that was the Miami Dolphins' loss. Paul, your, your reaction throughout the game? Um, I was a little shocked. I, I watched the way they came out and lined up on defense at first, and quite honestly, I think Vance Joseph reverted the defense because he got afraid of the potential for deep speed with Mike Wallace and potentially Steve Smith and had the corners too far off the ball and given the play of our outside linebackers. Uh, that really, really opens up everything underneath, and the Ravens just took advantage. They negated our pass rush with three-step drops, did a lot of quick dumps, took advantage of Miami's weakness against tight ends that got really exposed in the San Francisco game, and really put Miami behind the eight ball, which dictated what Miami had to do on offense. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's that's to, to the last detail what happened. I mean, it, to piggyback on what you said, this game really exposed a fear that I had heading into it. Is During this winning streak, I felt that the back seven wasn't challenged. You, when you look back, I mean, going all the way back, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt when we played the Steelers. So was Antonio Brown and Sammy Coates, but they played. Week seven, they had, the Bills had no Sammy Watkins, no Robert was their top two receivers. Then we play the Jets with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then we play the Chargers missing their top three receivers. Then the Rams with a rookie quarterback in the rain. Then Colin Kaepernick, who actually sliced the Dolphins up pretty good. My fear in this game is that it was the first time the Dolphins were going to face in a number of weeks a competent, that's the key word, competent quarterback quarterback wide receiver combination and yeah it looked very kevin coyle like on defense and i'm not too happy with vance joseph as we sit here today the other part of it i felt like that we missed the injuries to the back seven over the last couple of months xavian howard rashad jones jelani jenkins koamisi and also kiko alonzo leaving during the game really exposed the dolphins on defense too paula let's jump right into the grades here uh, what, uh, any other observations before we get to them? Yeah, as I was say, before we jump into our grades here, one other thing with the offense, I, I can't let Gase off the hook. I know we've talked about Vance Joseph. The offensive play calling also seemed to be coaching a little bit scared of Baltimore's defense. We ran far too many sideline screens on third and long or long down situations. Miami tried to get cute and, and run a lot of little sideline dumps and things like that when Baltimore already had been pulling eight guys up into the box a lot to prevent the run until they got that 14-21 point lead. Miami wasn't calling plays to win. They were calling plays to not lose. And, and you just, you, you really cannot do that here. And, and Gase and his coaching staff 
need to get back to the play calling style that they had during that winning streak that we just came out of. If we're going to do anything down the stretch here. Yeah. Offensively, they definitely were calling plays scared and something else I'd like to see them do a, a few more reverses as well as getting the rookies, uh, Jakeem Grant, Leonte Carew, and, and Kenyon Drake out in the field more for added speed and a few different looks because just running the ball straight up the gut with Ajaye and throwing these short passes isn't going to work, and the Dolphins find themselves playing in this little box all the time. Paul, let's, let's move on to the grades. Uh, the quarterback spot, Ryan Tannehill, definitely one of his worst games on the stat sheet this year. It is. Two of the interceptions I will put on him when he started trying to force things. Uh, one of them, you know what, Webb made a great play ripping that ball out of Devontae Parker's hands uh, right there in the end zone. The ball was where it needed to be. We need Parker to come down with those. That's what he's supposed to be. But two interceptions outside of that were on Tannehill. He threw the ball behind Jarvis on, on a very critical play. And then the other one was just a, a, a terrible throw. Uh, I've got to give Tannehill a C- minus here. He, he had a rough game, but I think he'll rebound this coming week against the Cardinals. I'll give Tannehill a D-plus. You know, uh... I'll take the positive first. With two minutes and 10 seconds left in the first half, Ryan Tannehill was 8 for 10 for 63 yards and an interception that was the Devontae Parker uh, near catch, near touchdown that he should have had. So in the first half, I don't put the blame on Ryan Tannehill. I thought he was the only one who performed reasonably well, but the second half just kept getting worse. Um, Specifically, that terrible interception by Eric Weddle. He had Jarvis Landry on the first drive of, of the second half, had him wide open for what could have been a touchdown and what could have changed the second half of the game. Dolphins would have been down 24 to 7, but there was a lot of time left to play and really badly missed him. Ball gets tipped. Weddle picks it off, r- runs it all the way back. And also, too, then on the next drive, you know, it's second and nine and. Tannehill takes a 10-yard sack when he very easily could have thrown the ball away, uh, which brings him to third and 19, and that drives over. So, yeah, I, I can't let Tannehill off the hook for the second half, and he really did go down with the ship in this game. So, overall, I'm going to give him a D plus. The running back position, uh, Paul, but JJA, 12 carries for 61 yards, over five yards a carry. How do, you, how do you grade this position? This is going to be a weird one because I think JJA did make – some good plays. Even in the passing game, I think he had six catches on the day, which which I believe is his personal best. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he did everything that was asked of him and more. Uh, he just got removed from the game plan pretty early in this game because Miami was down by so much that he couldn't be effective. So I'd actually give Ajayi a B-plus here. I mean, you, you can't overlook five yards of carry. You can't overlook the fact that he has six catches coming out of the backfield. Damian Williams, he had, he had one carry for a yard. Kenny Drake only had one carry for a yard. And they added a few catches themselves as well. So, I, really, I, the running back position gets a B-plus, and I don't put the blame on them for this game. I'll give him a B uh, for the, many of those reasons. And Ajayi actually on at least two runs, broke tackles behind the line of scrimmage and threw people out of the way uh, to get those longer runs. So very easily, I I think a normal back would have even done worse than Ajayi in this game. But um, they had to go away from him in the second half. When you're down four scores, that's a different animal. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams didn't really add anything either. Uh, the, The receiving unit, both wide receiver and tight ends. Uh, Devontae Parker, three catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. But uh, to me, that big play that really put the Dolphins behind the eight ball for good is when he had Ladarius Webb 
rip the interception um, or rip the potential touchdown catch right out of his hand. You, you catch that pass, it's 21-7, to 7, and you get the ball at halftime. Now you're starting, maybe you can get something going. Those are the plays with Devontae Parker that even though he's remarkably talented and I'm excited about him going forward, he's got to be more aggressive on those plays. Jarvis Landry, 11 catches, 87 yards. He did a fine job, but when Landry puts up those numbers, the Dolphins tend to lose the game because they play in this box. Kenny Stills, Leontay Carew, non-factors. Deion Sims, three catches, 39 yards. Uh, I, I still think he's coming on. Overall, I'll give this unit a C-plus for the game. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the C-plus. I mean, you would think on the stat sheet what, what you see in terms of, you know, 11 catches for 87 yards, three for 34 and a touchdown, three for 39 out of, out of the tight end position, and then a handful of others. But really, it wasn't enough. I didn't think they made enough difference-making plays in this game. And... You know, maybe some of it was the game plan. Some of it was the fact that they were behind, but you've still got to step up. These guys are supposed to be a big part of the bread and butter of this team. And, and to me, they didn't get it done in this one. But they did an okay job, C+. Plus. Offensive line, Paul, we've got, you know, two sacks on the day. One of them was a Ryan Tannehill sack that he definitely didn't have to take. He rolled out. It was a second and nine on the Ravens, the 43. They, they complete the pass. If, if they get another first down, they're in field goal range. Instead, he takes a nine-yard sack and goes all the way back. Some pressure, though, throughout the game from my end. Uh, Brandon Albert, I thought, played really well. Uh, Juwan James got pushed back a few times, but overall, I didn't have a whole lot of complaint about him. You know, it just seemed like constant pressure and enough to get in the face of Ryan Tannehill. And there weren't a lot of run lanes either. So, you know, tough run defense, great front seven, not a very good job. Um, and Laramie Tunzel also had three penalties in this game. I'm going to give him a C. I'll actually give the offensive line a B here. Uh, and actually for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I, I think Tunzel's three critical penalties did hurt the offense and, and stalled out a lot. But you look at the Ravens front seven, and you look at the fact that they, they only allowed really, truly one sack, given the fact that the defense was really able to pin its ears back early in this game with Miami dropping to such a deficit so early on. I, I really think the offensive line did a pretty admirable job. Uh, I, I, I have to give them a B here, even though there was a lot of snoozeworthy moments from the entire team yeah, there there weren't a lot of huge plays where you look at and say, okay, Tannehill just got creamed or didn't have time to throw. So maybe I'm a little bit harsh with a C, but uh, I, I felt there was incremental pressure throughout the game also uh, uh, running lanes. Not there, too. But overall, there aren't a whole lot of plays you can look at and say Juwan James and Brandon Albert or anyone in the offensive line really blew it. One thing the Dolphins are missing is Mike Pouncey getting downfield on those run plays. We're not seeing Ajayi break as many in the middle of the field as we used to. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, Paul, just an embarrassment to me from beginning to end. Uh, how would you rank the defensive line? This is a tough one. Um, I really think that the way that Vance Joseph's scheme this defense were back to the beginning of the year where, where it felt like the defensive line wasn't doing their job. But in reality, the big-ass gap between the defensive line and the secondary leaves everything open for, for Flacco for whomever, hell, even Tim Tebow, to, to take three steps and immediately dump the ball off because the coverage is so far off of the receivers. And you've only got one true linebacker in the middle of that field. I think Mike Hall did an admirable job behind him. But honestly, I, I, it, it almost feels like an incomplete because they didn't get a chance to do the things that they're capable of because 
there was no time to do so. Because Flacco was able to dump the ball immediately. So for me, I'm, I'm going to go with a C plus, but really, I, I don't put that on them. I put that on Vance Joseph. Yeah, I, I have the same feelings. So I'll give him a C because that, that's the reality. And I, I'm honestly, I'm surprised that the teams the Dolphins have played in the previous several games haven't figured out the same thing, that you can make the defensive line pretty obsolete if you just drop back and hit your first open receiver, and you can do it pretty consistently throughout the game. Yeah, I, I it's hard to judge the pass rush because they didn't get an opportunity. Um, I'm going to give them a C-plus for those reasons. Uh, the linebacker spot, Paul, I'm going to take this first. Big fat F in this game. Um, you know, Kiko Alonso was in and out of the lineup, uh, with a with a hurt finger, he had a few other injuries too. Um, but overall, even when he was on the field, I don't think he played like a great game. I, I don't think he played a great game at all. I thought he was beaten up on coverage throughout the entire game. Outside linebacker, you look at it, it is by far for me the Dolphins' biggest need in the offseason. Jelani Jenkins was injured, but he's been injured since the middle of last year. The guy can't stay healthy. Koamisi's a goner. Same story, can't stay healthy. Donald Butler and Neville Hewitt to me are seat fillers until we get somebody more talented. But Dolphins are going to need one or two more linebackers in the in the offseason. And to me, the Ravens figured it out very quickly that we get these wide receivers and tight ends on these linebackers and get rid of the ball quickly, we're going to have success all day, and they did. So F for me, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to also throw Spencer, Spencer Pacinger under that bus because I thought he was absolutely a liability yes. in this game. I thought Mike Hall did okay at filling in a little better than I actually expected. I thought Neville Hewitt did okay. Kiko, before he got hurt, really was making a difference in the early going of the game, even though nobody else seemed to want to make the tackles. He got hurt, came back, and really being on an island there by himself with you know 10 yards behind him before the safeties get there, the rest is sideline to sideline on either side of him. There's only so much that the guy can do. For me, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind, and, and I'll give the linebackers a D, but there there was a lot to wish for, and I completely agree with you. I was thinking about it earlier today, that outside linebackers, by far, the Dolphins' biggest need. The good part of that, though, is I think that once they get those, those outside linebackers shored up, that's the only real true gap on this defense going into the next season. So there's a positive to go with the fact that they, they still need that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the case. I mean, if you have a game like this with the Dolphins where a uh, quarterback gets rid of the ball quickly, that defensive line's not able to get to the quarterback, and they just attack. They attacked, attacked, attacked those linebackers, and I was disappointed in Vance Joseph that those defensive backs weren't being pulled a little further up. I mean, when, when a team goes back-to-back-to-back to back to back on you and just marches the ball downfield with no effort, you got to do something. you got to do something quickly. They had the same problem in the Patriots game when they went down 21 to nothing. Very disappointing effort from Vance Joseph. Again, hope he learns because he's a young defensive coordinator. Uh, how about the secondary, Paul? This is a weird one for me because schematically, I think they were the biggest reason the way that they were being lined up for the first time in six or seven weeks. They, they were the biggest reason that Baltimore was able to move the ball so effectively, but I don't put that on the play of the players. I put that on the scheme. So I really thought Byron Maxwell played well, came up with an interception, forced a fumble. Michael Thomas had recovered a fumble, the fumble after Neville Hewitt fumbled it away again, really advanced it down for Miami. I thought Tony Lippett played well other on the Brashad, other than on the Brashad pairing and catch. 
he got washed out running into another Dolphins defender that was covering somebody else. And that's what allowed Perryman to spring free. I don't, I don't fully put that on Lippitt there. I really think Miami has a good problem now because they've got two young quarters and a seasoned pro that have shown a lot of promise this season. They just need to play up on the ball a little bit more and, and close those gaps on the defense. They, they've shown the ability to jam people at the line. They've shown the ability to cover people over the top. But when they're being put back like that, it's taking away their effectiveness on both. And, and it, it just needs to stop. Don't go into a prevent on the first play of the game. And that's essentially the depth that they're playing at. So, yeah, for me, while they played well, I've still got to give them a B- minus here. Mo- the most damage came from the tight ends over the linebackers in this game. I'll give them a C. Uh, you know, nothing that stuck out as anything great overall from this unit. I, I felt that, just like you said, Paul, I mean, when the defensive backs are playing that far back and you're not making any adjustments for, for them to move up further, I mean, I, I have a hard time blaming the players. Uh, Byron Maxwell had a great game. I can't remember many passes that were caught off of him. And he also had an interception of Joe Flacco that could have turned the tide of the game. And he also had a forced fumble. So you're talking about two Byron Maxwell turnovers that gave the Dolphins the ball deep in Ravens territory. They get a combined six points out of it. It's not Maxwell's fault. You look at Maxwell in the season, now two interceptions and four forced fumbles. I think it's a pretty big no-brainer at this point that he returns uh, to Miami next year uh, for, for the people that had a lot of doubts with this guy in the first five games of the season. So, yeah, looking at, looking at the special teams unit, again, Jakeem Grant returns the ball and can't ever get it back to the 25. Not many other positive things in this contest. I thought Matt, I think Matt Dar was okay. Um, Fields missed a rare opportunity for him to kick the ball over 41 yards, and he missed that too. So overall, can't say many good, good things about this unit. I'm going to give him a C-. Yeah, that Frank's miss early in the game was, was pretty brutal. Uh, it, it was a chance for Miami to get back on the scoreboard and even though it wouldn't have been a touchdown to answer that early touchdown by the Ravens, instead misses a kick, gives the Ravens great field position. They move down and score a second touchdown. Now Miami's behind the eight ball. I'm not going to say Dar even had an okay day. I think he had a very off day for him. Uh, I do think he's definitely a Pro Bowl caliber punter, but I think he had a rough day. And I, I wonder how much the surface issues of the field really affected Miami, especially in the early going, including uh, Franks and including Dar, because you saw players slipping and falling like crazy on the Dolphin side of the ball, which tells me they didn't have the right length of cleats on to be able to deal with that that surface. So hey, it's you still got to do it. Uh, I'm going to give these guys a D plus. It's there's nothing special in the return game. Franks wasn't his usual self, or sorry, Dar wasn't his usual self. And Franks is really leading me to believe Miami needs to look at the kicker as a position to upgrade the offseason. Yeah, and one of them could have been Caleb Sturgis, who's playing really well with Philadelphia right now. But, you know, at hindsight's twenty twenty, Franks beat him out for the job fair and square. And as far as the cleats are concerned, yeah, they were slipping all over the place. The Dolphins players were very critical after the game. And if this were, a, you know, a 27-20 loss, I probably would factor that into the discussion. They had 34 to six, or excuse me, 38 to six, different conversation. Um, so, Paul, looking at the rest of the Dolphins' schedule, here, here the Dolphins are seven and five, four games left to play in the season. Against you've got Arizona at home next week, at New York, at Buffalo, and then the Patriots at home. So, not a very 
easy schedule. And this is what really bothers me about this Ravens loss is, you know, if, if they had beaten the Ravens or at least been very competitive, I'd be looking at these last four games saying, you know what, you might be able to go 3-1 and one the rest of the way. But now here's how I look at the rest of the season. I think you're going to split the next two games. You're going to uh, versus Arizona and at New York. I think you'll lose at Buffalo, and then I think you're going to go into Week 17 against a Patriots team, and it's going to end up being a mean, meaningless football game. You're going to end the season 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. Uh, What do you think, Paul? Uh, how, what's your outlook on their playoff chances after this, de- this debacle? I think so long as Miami tightens the defensive backfield up again for this Arizona game, it, it, it's actually a very winnable game. Miami should be able to at least be somewhat effective against David Johnson. Gresham could be a big factor for Arizona in that game. But all in all, I think it's a game that Miami can take. And if Miami can take that, I I know they can take the Jets in two weeks. The Jets are a team that's just absolutely in shambles. And the Bills game, to me, it's a coin flip based on which Bills team shows up and which Dolphins team shows up. So there is still a possibility that Miami goes into that final week of the season where Miami's playing for something and maybe New England isn't. I know Gronk went to IR, so New England, that could affect them in a number of ways. But really, I do like Miami's chances still if they're able to take three of the next four of of going to the playoffs because you've got a lot of games out in that AFC West where where those teams still have to play each other over the next four weeks. You've also got, in a way, Baltimore winning keeps their lead in the AFC North. Miami owns the head-to-head against Pittsburgh. So if it comes down to tiebreakers, Miami could have the edge over the the AFC North now. So there's there's a lot of football to play, and there's still some decent chances for them to finish the season 9-7, and 10-6. Yeah, and it would still be a successful season. Definitely a successful season at that point. It's got to be one game at a time. Yeah, I think it's, it's winnable against the Arizona Cardinals. The Dolphins right now are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that they're going to face a few of the same challenges that they had against the Ravens, and that's Carson Palmer's going to get the football out quickly, and the Dolphins have to combat that. Um, So looking at that game, the difference is the Arizona Cardinals offensive line's been a problem all year. To tell you how big of a problem, Ulrich John is their starting left tackle in this contest. So the Dolphins are going to have some opportunities to get pressure. It's up to the to the back seven and up to Vance Joseph to make sure that people aren't running free in those zones. Paul, any more comments tonight before we uh, call it a night? The, the one thing I will say is you mentioned that it could be a successful season. To me, this season's already a success. It's, it, and it may seem odd, especially coming after this Baltimore game, but Miami has improved almost across the board. Their offensive line is actually pretty well set now when, when healthy. Uh, their receiving core is young and pretty damn good. Ryan Tannehill has improved his play this season, even if it wasn't completely evidenced this past weekend. Jay Ajayi has shown that, that he can be that, that guy in the backfield. And we've seen a lot of positives out of guys like Kenyon Drake. And before the past few weeks, we've, we've seen a lot of positives out of Jakeem Grant. This draft class looks good. The secondary looks good and only gets better next year when we get Rashad Jones back. Miami's got some financial flexibility this offseason to be able to plug the holes. And they've still got some decent draft picks in, in the upcoming draft as well to plug some more holes. They've shown this past year their analysis fits very well with what Gase is doing. So 
there's a lot of positive things from the season. So to me, the season's already a success, but uh, I'd always love for it to be even more successful. Yeah, I think in terms of what was predicted before the season that it would be that you can call it a success. On the other hand, I'll say this. If you, if you play Arizona this week and you don't win or you lose very convincingly and you go to seven and six, then say you squeak out a win against the Jets and then you drop the last two in convincing fashion, it's going to leave me with a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the year if they're eight and eight. Again, even though, I, because now we're talking about, all right, yeah, we predicted six or seven wins. It looked like a magical season for a while. We finished the season eight and eight. Um, but, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet. So let's hope for, a, you know, a, a double-digit win season very much in reach and a potential playoff appearance. And... On that, we will end the show. We'll have a we'll have one here in the upcoming days, previewing the Arizona Cardinals matchup. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar to fulfill the crap we have to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe It ain't the left side or the right side And it must be the fan side It ain't the left side or the right side For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.